whether this happens in August or a year from now or whenever the hell it happens, I think the trend is already in motion. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marquez here with you for Arcadia Economics as we are now in late July, amazing, uh, almost uh, seven months completed into the year. Interesting year it has been in the silver market. Some periods of quite quite stoic calm with a frenetic uh, couple months mixed in there with some banking issues. Things have calmed down again and to keep us posted on how things have been going in terms of the physical silver market. We have Andy Sheckman and Miles Franklin on each Tuesday. You know, a lot of you missing Andy the last two Tuesdays. Uh, good to see that Andy got a nice, uh, well-deserved vacation after a while. So, and uh, after he got that kidney stone healed up. So glad you finally got a break in there. Although it's great to have you back on the show and welcome back. And how are you today, my friend? I'm good, brother. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was a rough, it was a rough month. It maybe the roughest three weeks of my life. And uh, like I was saying to you off air here, you realize very, very quickly when people say it, it goes in one ear, out the other. I guess when you're young, a lot of things that are said to you go in one ear and out the other. But when people say to you, if you don't have your health, nothing else matters, when you're healthy, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. And um, it, it was really a very reflective time, but a, an awful one, one that I'm glad to to be through and drinking my water. That is uh, living down here in Florida. Evidently, you have to drink more water than you did up in Minnesota. So for those transplants down in the South, drink water, do not go through what I went through. It, it was a very hellish experience, but it is good to be back, brother. Thanks for having me. Well, I have had some kidney issues over the years. So I know that uh, feisty kidney, you got to take care of that. And either case, glad you're all better. Glad you got a break on vacation. Although I know that you're back into the silver and gold world today as uh, we're recording on Monday, the 24th of July. And you were at Rick Rules Conference this afternoon. And perhaps we could start there. I'm curious, uh, what is the sentiment like as you're talking to people? seems as if a lot of the world has been on pause waiting to see when the Fed is finally done with their interest rate hikes and then reassess things after that. But curious, what, what does it seem like people are feeling in terms of gold and silver as we round out late July? See, I don't know if that's a fair question to ask because, you know, the folks at Rick's conference are not a accurate subsection, if you will, of the public. And the speakers at this show, you know, you got James Rickards and, and Danielle DiMartino Booth and Nomi Prince and Bill Bonner and Rick Rule and um, uh, Grant Williams. And so you got, you have the upper echelon of the, uh, of the uh, community here that has been speaking about the merits of, of, of alternative investments for a very, very long time. And conversely, the people who are at this show, really of all the shows I go to seem to have the greatest understanding of where we are in, in space and in time. And so these people understand what's going on. They see the big picture. They focus on the trees and not the rustling leaves. They're macro more than they are micro. And most of these people who are at Rick's show, if I had to make a, a broad 
paint a broad picture. They're very successful. It's a thousand bucks to come to the show. And uh, they are um, not doing, uh, not accumulating gold and silver to become wealthy. Of course, they buy mining shares because of the, the obviously the gain in fiat currency you can make and probably will when this really ex expresses itself. But they are here for other reasons because they understand that ultimately things are changing in this world. And, and so they're coming here looking for, I think, validation and information about where we are going and uh, what they can do to protect what it is that they've accumulated all of these years. They are looking at gold and silver as wealth and in, as insurance, less about uh, making a huge amount of money. Now, granted, there are a lot of mining companies there like Keith Neumeyer and, and, and many, many others. And so obviously there is always the, the interest in making money as well. And But I think the people here have a really a solid understanding of the reasons why, the things that we've talked about for years. So, you know, if we back it up and we look at business in general here uh, in 2023, well, the first half of the year was unlike anything I've ever seen, where during April and uh, March and April, we added 14,000 clients in 45 days during Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and whatnot. And what's so interesting to me is how the public just, they only see things in the immediate lens. They, they fail to look at things in a very broad, big picture. And they panicked because they hadn't protected themselves. And then all of a sudden it's like the storm clouds have cleared, the Fed papered everything over, everything's okay. Let's just go back to summer and enjoy ourselves. And it is as eerily quiet as anything I've ever seen coming from a period of extreme um, anxiety and um, huge volume across the entire industry. So. If you call it, look at this like a hurricane, well, we had the front end of the storm that was blistering. And now we're in the eye of the storm where the sun came out and the sky parted and it's quiet. But the question becomes in the third and fourth quarter, especially as we head towards the election next November, are we uh, going to get hit by the trailing edge? And that's really the issue here. So I think the people at, at Rick's conference understand that there is a trailing edge don't know when it's coming, but it's out there. The public, well, I think they look more towards green shoots and hope springs eternal. And uh, and if the Fed comes out and says no more rate hikes, well, that just means stocks to eternity. So I guess it's a fair question. We'll have to see how it plays out. But I would simply say it's not a fair question in the respect of asking what's the sentiment at a, at a show like Rick's. It's It's different than what we're experiencing day to day here. That makes sense. Yeah, obviously, a focused subset of the investing market. Um, and actually did have a couple questions uh, in terms of order volume, what we've seen this year, maybe comparing a little bit to last year, as well as would like to dig into premiums and so forth, which have uh, seemingly been going down. But before we get to that, one other question about the conference. I know you mentioned, and I saw that Jim Rickers is speaking there, obviously, he was the first one, uh, to my knowledge, to report that the BRICS were going to be going to a gold-backed currency in their August meeting, which uh, I guess four four weeks or so away. 
In the time since then, there was a comment from India that they said, no, we're not planning this. Last week, there was an official from South Africa saying that they're not planning it. I mean, that they're investigating the de-dollarization topic, but they're not, they don't have an announcement coming. We did hear RT say that there was an announcement coming, although was a little bit less than official data that they were citing. So did, uh, and I know you have some thoughts on this as well, but did Jim speak yet or uh, is that coming up and any thoughts on what he might say or any questions you might have for him there? I can't wait to talk to him and pick his brain and listen to what he has to say. And I've talked a lot about this in my last week's podcast where I will say, look, you know, I've been saying this for three years, but I have never had the courage or the insight to say it's coming on a particular date. I've always been afraid of always going out or anytime going out on a limb and picking a date. I think we live in a world of probabilities. There are no guarantees in anything. And I think the probability of the BRICS uh, trade currency ultimately being used um, and or rather backed by gold or commodities, as we've heard for a long time now, is legit. Whether or not it comes out August 22nd at the meeting in Johannesburg is another question altogether. But, you know, he said some other things in his writing that to me are even more significant than that. But I want to take a step back for one moment and and simply say that to only look at the BRICS and their gold-backed currency as a game changer, I think is only telling half the story. It's missing the other half. And the other half is what Saudi Arabia has been quietly doing over the last several years. Just to rehash, and this has been what I have focused on almost exclusively, even more so than the BRICS, which to me was just an extension or a end game in, in this ultimate global de-dollarization. What I mean by that, look, you know, we told Saudi Arabia when Biden signed the executive order that, hey, we're going green. By 2030, we want to be mostly green. By 2050, entirely green. Saudi Arabia and all of the OPEC countries are on the Belt Road, 75% of human population. Saudi Arabia joined the BRICS. Saudi Arabia joined the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, and this is an important one, which we'll get to in a moment, as per what Jim has said as well. And Saudi Arabia has recently applied to the New Development Bank. Saudi Arabia told everyone at Davos that they are open to taking other currencies. I have said repeatedly, what makes the dollar the, the world reserve? It's the petrodollar status, the protection of the Saudi kingdom, but I, I missed something, and I'll get to that in a moment. But you know, when Russia signed a joint military cooperation agreement with Saudi Arabia the day after we left Afghanistan, to me, that began the exodus for the dollar as being the petrol currency. Uh, it didn't remove their reserve status or it won't re immediately remove their reserve status because of our bond market. But what it will do if we lose the petrol status is, is dramatically dramatically affect the amount of demand for the dollar, which will ultimately lead to the, the losing of its reserve status. And so let's just follow the progression here. Um, you know, Saudi Arabia is now, as I mentioned, being protected by 
Russia in a joint military cooperation agreement. And in signing with the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which represents in and of itself 60% of all the Eurasian landmass, 40% of global population. So between the BRICS, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, the Belt Road Initiative, and the Eurasian Economic Union, which we'll talk about also, you have north of 80% of the world's population that will all be settling, settling uh, trade, unilateral trade with other countries outside the dollar. So the decrease in demand for the dollar as the world reserve settlement currency becomes significant. Now, Jim Rickard said a few things. Forget about the fact that he said that they're gonna announce the gold backing August 22nd, if they do, great. But he said some other things to me that were even more relevant. He talked about what the BRICS would do to challenge if they really wanted to challenge for reserve, and that would be to develop a bond market. Now, if you go back to World War II, the US built a bond market by citing patriotism. Buy World War II bonds, they said. Well, in this case, the patriotism amongst all of these countries would be break free from the Western hegemony, buy bonds in a commodity or gold-backed currency that ultimately will come at some point. But that's down the road. What he said to me that was more significant was that they have plans to incorporate. Now, I have mentioned the Shanghai Cooperation Organization and the Eurasian Economic Union in almost every podcast I have done, but I've never put them all together. The reason I mentioned them is that there's so much commingling. You know, you got so many of these countries are in all of the organizations. So it just made sense that they're all talking to each other. Well, he believes that they will combine. Now, it's interesting that he says that. At the August meeting, he thinks they will all combine, making a huge coalition. And he thinks that's what needs to be done. And I agree. But, you know, what's really interesting is if you Google how many countries have expressed interest in BRICS, you see 41, 41, 41, 41. Yet if you count it, it's like 25. Well, add the countries in the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, the Eurasian Economic Union that aren't already in the BRICS or have applied to BRICS, and you get really damn close to 41. But yeah, you can't find 41 anywhere. Anywhere, I've looked everywhere for days. You can't. 25, 26, 24, I mean, but they all say the same thing. 41 and they only list 25. What's going on? So the this is a process whereby the majority of human population is coming together. And when you throw the fact that we are telling Saudi Arabia, we're going green, we don't need you anymore. And yet this coalition, a coalition of, of human population represents the majority of every living soul on this planet and they're not going green. So the pieces are being put into place. And as far as I'm concerned, even if the currency backed by gold is not announced a month from now at this meeting, if they really do coalesce with the Eurasian Economic Union and the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, you are dealing with literally the majority of human population. And look where Saudi Arabia has positioned themselves, being protected by Russia and China. Shanghai Cooperation Organization is the largest regional military and financial group in the world. It's Chinese army. So you're being protected with the BRICS, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, and Russia itself, in essence, two of the three largest nuclear arsenals in the world. And they are striking deals right now with all of these countries to accept, whether it be 
rupee or ruble or yuan for for energy. And it's not just that. I mean, you're starting to see countries like France and Mexico breaking free from the West as well. Now, France hasn't done it entirely yet, although they asked to go to the meeting and they were turned down. But look, they did a massive liquid natural gas deal, I think with Oman and paid in Yuan. The point I'm getting at here is that you have a situation where little by little by little by little by little by little, all of these things are coming together. And to me, the gold backing is inevitable. And, you know, if you realize that after the Basel III regulations and, and metal that is held, directly held, that is not paper, if it is physically held, it is tier one. It is as good as cash. And who's been buying it all? Well, the central banks, it's not the Western central banks, it's them over there, they're buying it all. And they're not gonna tell us how much they've accumulated. The numbers aren't real. They've been buying and accumulating and producing more than they've ever told anyone. So you put it all together, the pieces are rapidly being put into place. And uh, one other thing, you know, the part that I missed about what backs the dollar. Yes, it is the petroscales. It is the protection of the Saudi kingdom and the pledge of OPEC to price oil in dollars. And, and that has been the primary driver of the dollar supremacy. But I would argue that not only are we screwing things up outside the border, we're screwing things up inside the border too. And I would argue that we have done more to destroy this country over the last few years than any of our foes like Russia or China could have ever done cancel culture and censorship and transgenderism and racism and wealth inequality and climate alarmism, the violence and the protests that made me leave Minneapolis and come to Florida and, and, and the blatant political corruption and the law not being equally administered. And I talk about how, you know, people come to this country. Remember when we used to say the Pledge of Allegiance for liberty and justice for all. That's why they come here, a better life and liberty and justice because there are a lot of governments out there that are a lot worse than ours, where justice and fairness and equality and liberty is something people only dream of. And you turn on the news and watch this stuff that we see going on. I don't care what you think about Trump or how you feel about Biden. This is not red and blue, Democrat, Republican. This is about the fact that it's very difficult, I think, for anyone who is objective to say that the law is being administered equally. And that, to me, is a nail in the coffin, a big, big nail, because say what you want about the mismanagement of the dollar and our debt burden, which you know is $155 trillion against $5 trillion in assets. Think about that. We're broken and solvent. What backs the dollar? The faith and credit of the US dollar. Well, the credit, we're broken and solvent. And is the faith really there anymore? Do people trust the Justice Department or the FBI? Or, or, you know, or, or uh, the CDC. I don't know, do they? I think most people don't. I think most people, even those that are uh, a diehard Democrat have questions about, if they were being honest, about the way this is all going down. And, and so you put this all together. It does not matter if they come out on the 22nd and say we're backing by gold. What is more relevant to me is if the coalition continues to grow, comprising the majority of population. We see that the central banks continue to massively accumulate gold and our administration is doing their best job to 
make the rest of the world, I think, look at us with cross eyes and say, hey, you know, it may not be the, the, the bastion of safety and liberty and free trade uh, that it once was. So whether this happens in August or a year from now or whenever the hell it happens, I think the trend is already in motion. I think it's, it's something that would be very different, difficult to pull out of. And so, you know, I give Jim credit for announcing a date. Um, it's something I don't have the courage to do, nor the insight. But uh, I don't think it matters if they announce it, if, if he's right on the coalition growing by the Shanghai Cooperation Organization and the Eurasian Economic Union joining BRICS. All of a sudden, you have a very, very, very formidable foe. Even if at first it is only a settlement currency, not a reserve currency. If I were doing this, settlement would be first, reserve would be second. But if everyone continues to settle, not in the dollar, the dollar's demand goes down, the supply goes up, the value goes down, inflation goes up, interest rates go up, we get there the same way. And uh, look, the Chinese and all of these countries who still own our stocks and our bonds, and well, they have a vested interest in slowly removing themselves from this. And all the dollar-denominated debt has to be paid in dollars. You might even see the dollar go up at first. But in the end, this is a trend, I think, that will ultimately be very negative for the U.S. dollar, irrespective of the announcement on the 22nd. Yeah, I think that's well said, where obviously there's, I don't know if excitement is the right word, but when when someone puts a date on it like Jim did, and there, there's been speculation in either direction, so certainly I'm curious to see if there's any announcement like that in a couple of weeks. And But with that said, in terms of the longer term picture, I mean, I think there's enough there to suggest that a large portion of the globe is getting frustrated with some of the things that drove many of us into gold and silver and you know Russia and officials have certainly talked about that several times over the past year and so I think that's phrased well that whether it's announced in August uh, you can see the the bigger picture behind that so well, and, and you know if you look at the, the way the rest of the world must be saying my god they got 32 trillion in debt but a hundred and 25 trillion in unfunded liabilities. How do they ever get out of this? They can't, they can't uh, uh, produce their way out of it. They've lost all their manufacturing. They'll inflate their way out of it or they'll, they'll fall or maybe option three, find a villain. But when you look at the finances of the US, after they raised the debt ceiling, after that, that debacle of raising the debt ceiling to, to no limit, in six well, in six weeks, the numbers went up by over a trillion dollars, but it took 13 days after they raised it for the national debt to go up by 600 billion. That works out to $500,000 every second to the national debt. And so we've gotten to a point where the numbers just keep growing and growing and growing and growing. And how do you add a trillion dollars to a debt in six weeks? You really don't. I mean, if unless you want to destroy the currency. And ultimately, they have no choice but to inflate. There's no way they can ever pay these, these, these liabilities, these unfunded liabilities, unless they continue to inflate. And I think that is all part of the deal. In other words, the world understands this. And I think for the last 52 years, the world's been on this dollar standard. And and I think that what you see here is safety in numbers. These countries realize 
this is their shot, but they have to do it the right way. And if it means doing it on the slow road, so be it. Ultimately, ultimately, this is about a situation that I think we've passed the point of no return. So August 22nd, I will be more inclined to believe that things are at the point of no return if the SCO and the Eurasian Economic Union join the BRICS. If you see that out of this meeting, well, Katie, bar the doors, because it's just a matter of time before Saudi Arabia says to the world, hey, everyone, listen, thanks. We appreciate what you've done for us. But look, us, all of our brothers and sisters with OPEC on the Belt Road Initiative and what amounts to 80% of the world's population or more, we're not going green. We respect that you want to. So we're going to now, until the new BRICS currency is fully operational, we're going to take the petro yuan. Uh, and we can convert that into gold on the Shanghai Gold Exchange or, or maybe whatever it is. Maybe it's the BRICS currency. Who knows? But the point is when they make that announcement and all of the world has to make a decision of shedding a good portion of their dollars that they've been holding uh, in favor of a new settlement currency. Not a reserve yet, but a settlement. Well, that creates a big, big problem for the dollar and inflation and interest rates and the valuation of all the stocks and bonds in this country that are inversely correlated. And it's an interesting thought when you realize that much of the institutionals have been bearish and on the sidelines, yet if you look at the amount of interest in the stocks lately, it's been off the charts and it's all through the American public, not the big institutions. And as the world is dumping US treasuries, the American public are flocking to them. Is it the perfect storm? I don't know, it sure kind of seems like it is, like it like it could be. And, and if you realize that just between Microsoft and NVIDIA, they had a 175 billion in market cap. That's more than 462 of the S&P 500 companies. It's more than Nike, Wells Fargo, Walt Disney, Morgan Stanley, you name it. So you have this tiny little group of companies holding the market up to these stupid levels and if the Fed comes out and says no more rate hikes, watch what happens. It's going to blow off the top. But, you know, it's interesting also to realize that the U.S. Treasury is financing its deficit right now with short-term T-bills using the reverse repo market. They've come out almost basically and said that. And, you know, the they are using it because the money that went into the reverse repo market realizes they can get a better turn, return by a little bit going directly to the Fed, like treasurydirect.gov, going directly to them, removing the risk out of the banks and going directly to the government. And you're seeing the reverse repo market drain and it's going directly into treasuries. But I want to read you one quick thing. And I know you're a big fan of Austrian economics. If the practice persists of covering government deficits with the issue of notes, then the day will come without fail. Like I'm saying, Chris, without fail, it's, it's, it's just it's going to happen. I don't know when. Anyways, the day will come without fail sooner or later when the monetary systems of those nations pursuing this course will break down completely. Sounds like that's us coming to that anyway. Anyways, the purchasing power of the monetary unit, the dollar, will decline more and more until it finally disappears completely. And that's Ludwig von Mises. And, and that's what we are doing. I mean, it's exactly what we're doing. And it's eerie, actually, because ultimately they have to continue to inflate to, to pay off the debt that we have and to keep the game going, to keep the system going. And if they don't, it's a big problem. So in the end, in the end, 
whether it's the 22nd or two years from now or whenever it may be, um, I think there's going to be uh, there's going to be some difficult times in this country and, and that our administration, in my opinion, is only fostering and aiding and abetting this ultimate, this ultimate outcome. I hear you. It's in addition to uh, a lot of the other things you mentioned and you just see the debt piling up with never really, never throughout that debt ceiling debate, was there any discussion of, well, how, how do we ultimately turn this trend around? So is concerning and uh, you can understand why some of the other nations out there are responding the way they are. Uh, Andy, before we wrap up, did want to get an update. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had you on, but um, in terms of premiums and order flow, seems like premiums have continued to come in a little bit. I know the American Eagles are even getting within range of not needing financial aid on those premiums. So what, what could Great you say? They're under eight bucks for the first time in, since the pandemic. And the premiums are the lowest level I've seen since before the pandemic or right at the pandemic. And the availability is the best I've seen since 2020 and no delivery delay. It's it's just mind boggling to me. I mean, it's it's um, it's schizophrenic. It's, you know, one day you see a problem with the banks and 14,000 clients beat down our doors over 45 days, new clients. And then the next, everything's okay, and you know everyone can go back into the water. Um, and if people are wanting to add any metal or accumulate any, honestly, it's the best environment I've seen in three to four years. And what is very strange to me is that I feel more anxiety about the future of this country today than I did three years ago or at any point since. And it's less to me about the economics of it. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of resolved to believing that that will happen. And it's more about what is happening inside the borders of this country and the division, and the divisiveness and the anger and um, the inability to, to have a rational conversation with people and all of these things that are being thrown down, shoved down our throat where you know, the world I grew up in, you didn't have, you you were taught to respect people, right? That, that's what I learned. But you didn't have to celebrate everyone. You didn't have to celebrate transgenderism. You didn't have to celebrate, you know, uh, structural racism and, and, and pay reparations, you know, and all of these things that, that just create so much animosity and divisiveness and anger. And then you look what's happening in our cities and the violence and the crime and and all of these corporations just pulling up and leaving. And, you know, that's where I think the catalyst is going to come from the commercial real estate and the pressure that's going to put on the regional banks who hold 70 percent of it. Remember that the commercial real estate loans largely are non-recourse, meaning bye, I'm done. Here, here, take the keys. I'm out because you you can't go after them personally. So you just saw another big uh, big um, building in Atlanta, just bye-bye, and they gave away 100 plus million in equity, the largest hotel in San Francisco, the biggest mall. Bye, we're gone. And at some point that's gonna put some serious strain on the regional banks. And this time they're gonna be bailed in, not bailed out. And when that happens, all hell breaks loose. Once again, premiums go up, 
the availability goes down. The mainstream public says, my God, why didn't we do it back then when we, we thought about it in March and April? You said it was better and it wasn't. I knew it. That's going to happen again. And, you know, Janet Yellen told us herself, expect more bank consolidations into the fourth quarter. And there's a lot, over a few hundred billion dollars, I believe, of leases and loans that need to be reset into the fourth quarter. So for those people who still understand that this isn't over yet, this is the time to act as far as I'm concerned. Well, nice to see that the premiums are lower. And I think there's truth. And we've seen that throughout the past couple of years where things come in and then feels like almost every third to half of the year, there's some event, whether it's what we saw last year when uh, product availability was getting tighter or earlier this year. So appreciate everything you shared there. Andy, before we wrap up, is there anything on special this week that uh, people should know about if anyone is in the market for silver? Yeah, uh, we're doing silver 2023 Silver Eagles in stock, immediate delivery, $7.99 over spot um and on really on larger orders we can even probably knock a few cents off of that too but um it is the lowest they've been um since 2020 and uh immediate availability so uh there's a lot to choose from not just silver eagles but those people who are wanting silver eagles it's it's the cheapest they've been in, in almost four years Alrighty, and you can find out more about that at Arcadia at Miles Franklin. So as long as, as well as if you have questions about any of the products or any of these things that we're discussing, welcome to write that in there as well. And Andy, appreciate you making some time. I know you got a busy week at the show there, but great to have you back this week as always. And yes, I always got next, time. next week we can get an update of uh, what you heard from Jim and to get a chance to talk with them, getting any more information about that. I think that's something people would look forward to hearing. I'm going to, I'm going to tackle them if I have to. So uh, I will chat with him. And Hopefully that's not necessary, but yeah, well, you know, it might, it might get, get me some attention, but Chris, I love you, buddy. It's good to see you. Thanks for uh, having me. And I look forward to picking up where we left off next week. All right. I can see the headline already. Bullion dealer tackles a gold and silver analyst. Yeah, but remember, he worked for the CIA, so it probably wouldn't be a good idea, you know? Yeah, perhaps not. Ho hopefully he'll just call on you when you're raising your hand in the audience. And anyway, thanks, Andy, and we will see you next week. Take care, buddy. Well, thank you for this week's report, Andy. It's great to have him back on the show after a couple of weeks away while he was on vacation. But a lot of interesting things going on. Obviously, in a couple of weeks, we'll find out exactly what announcements the BRICS do or don't have planned, although agree with what he's saying that you can see the way the trend is going so whether there is a formal announcement in August or not certainly a lot to keep an eye on there which we will do going forward and lastly before we wrap up would like to thank Silver Viper Minerals who brought us today's episode you've seen Steve Cope from Silver Viper a couple times on the show and he has been defining their resource at their La Virginia project where back in their 2021 mineral resource estimate, they came back with 154,300 indicated ounces of gold, 260,300 inferred ounces, and 6.9 million ounces of silver in the indicated category, 12.9 million ounces of inferred, and that is with a fully diluted share count of 202 million shares. And this is an open pit project that they are continuing to drill, expecting a new resource estimate later this year, along with a PA in the next 12 months. So I'll be catching up with Steve again later today. 
and you'll be hearing from him tomorrow with a little bit more about how their project is going. But certainly in today's environment where there is seemingly a gap in the supply going forward, it's great to see what Silver Viper has been moving forward in not the easiest conditions, but you can find out more about them at silverviperminerals.com. And appreciate you being here as always. Hope you're having a great day out there and I will see you again tomorrow. Mm -hmm.